Ask them if they are able to hear, otherwise you have to log on. Aman Hitvamadam Hitvam Ahimsakshanti Rajavam Acharyopasanashtausham Sayyamatma Vinikraha Indriyatreshu Vairagyam Anahamkara Vivacha Janma Mrityujarabhyadidukhadoshanudarshanam Bhaktiravya vicharini vivekta desha sevitvam aratirjana samsadi adhyatma jnana nityatvam tattva jnana atadarshanam etam jnana mitiproktam adhyanam Manitvam, Adam Vitvam, we have seen. Dambha, conceit. Adambha, lack of conceit. Adam Vitvam, the situation of having lack of conceit and pretenses. Dambha, more pretenses. Mana, mana or Manitvam, conceit. So we discussed that. And uh, how to get over it? We have to also see a little bit. The best way to overcome that, I told you the reason is because one feels so insecure deep down and one is unable to see anything good about oneself and therefore one is very upset. And it becomes a front. What is the front? The front is that, you know, I am very good, I am wonderful and I don't need anything. I don't need anybody, I'm, be I'm best, east or best, this is the feeling. So the way to uh, do this 
is to have is to take some time to con contemplate on one's own good things. Yeah, some good things everybody will have. So contemplate on those good things, and then see that you don't have to allow yourself the freedom to not have to always be good at everything. This is a, such a relief. If somebody else is good at it, let them, you know, appreciate that also. This is what is called that Sarvatma Bhava comes through this kind of an appreciation. So, you have to just allow that to be and see all the places in which you yourself excel. And there will be a lot of places. You have to sit and contemplate and watch those without judgment. Because otherwise, with the judgment, it becomes very difficult. That is all already there. For, for both Mana and Dhamma, the same antidote. Then we have a very important value in our culture, which is called in, in the tradition itself, which is called Ahimsa. Ahimsa Paramo Dharmaha. You know, it is seen as the ultimate Ahimsa. And what is this Ahimsa? You know, not hurting. is called Ahimsa. Not hurting anything, starting with your own body, this we forget. We feel ahimsa means not hurting others. And then conveniently, oneself is forgotten. So ahimsa means not hurting anything in this universe, starting with your own body. Because you did not make it, right? And you did not make anything else in the universe either. So you don't have the right to hurt anything that you did not make. So often translated as non-violence, and then, you know, because of Gandhiji, it has uh, gained a lot of, uh, uh, you know, importance in other countries as well. You know, it influenced Martin Luther King and all this. It has uh, influenced not just the diet, but even the way of standing up for one's beliefs and one's rights. This is also Ahimsa. And so here we have to see this, you know, see this as a value because it becomes a value only when you see that I don't want to be hurt. When you see that you don't want to be hurt, then you don't want to hurt anybody either because that's the only way of enforcing this. Now, the beauty of this is that generally everyone has this capacity for ahimsa more or less built in unless one is a sociopath you know this is a, that is some kind of a mental illness barring that psychopath sociopath barring that everybody has ahimsa and because this ahimsa is is a value that's that naturally rides on what is called human empathy there is empathy. You know how the other person is feeling. And this we see, you know, even in when we have some kind of a match, the, you know, like a Wimbledon, you see this. We see this in the match. And what happens in the match? You know, one person wins, another person loses. And the winner, you know, throws everything in the air, including the t-shirt, right? <laughs> and the loser is standing there feeling sorry for himself or herself, you know? 
and uh, the winner is very happy but then there is a customary handshake across the net and at that time his face becomes very serious correct we see this because even though he's happy he he won he's uh, able to be in that person's shoes for that second when he is making that eye contact there is some there is ahimsa in that we see that it is very beautiful so it has become a popular value also because of buddhism buddhism which uh, arose from the hindu tradition and where they have highlighted uh, uh, certain other uh, one more uh, tradition we have jainism where they have highlighted ahimsa to you know to the completely then in our tradition of course it is highlighted to the nth degree in the sense that everyone is supposed to grow into uh, into this value gradually and then completely when someone grows into this value completely they you know this they are qualified for sanyasa because really speaking when you you know when you take the vow of sanyasa you take only one vow see in buddhism there is 17 and 24 and so many other things we don't have anything and in uh, christian tradition there is that what is that poverty obedience uh, chastity like this three three vows are there for us you know we are not uh you know this is not for us uh, for us it is only one vow which is ahimsa abhaya danam one declares that nothing in this universe need to be scared of me because i am giving you the gift of fearlessness you can fearlessly be yourselves you have nothing to fear from me i'm dropping out of all competition this is of course ahimsa to the complete ahimsa i'm dropping out of all competition and i'm dropping out of all anything any activity that can impinge upon somebody else's chances so here there is zero possibility of hurt so this includes also the lifestyles for the sanyasis in the rainy season monsoon right in india that is uh, you know four months yeah but you know interestingly four months is called chaturmasya vrata vrata means discipline it's a discipline and the sadhus don't move at that time they go one place and it's kind of a um, customary thing for the sadhus to invite each other to each other's ashram so they will go before the rains and then stay there and teach or meditate whatever they are doing until after the rains because they don't want to step on anything you know little worms and uh, water snakes and all these things they don't want to do that so they, they they used to stay for four months then perhaps they got bored staying somewhere for four months then there was a uh, shortcut and uh, the shortcut is called paksho vai masaha you know you know one month is equal to a fortnight somebody made the rule and so now it is only for four fortnights which is what two months so the chaturmasya interestingly is for only two months so two months they go somewhere have a little holiday and come back so this is so much there that you know kaya vacha manasa you don't do that and of course eating meat is out of the question if one is you know has taken the vow of ahimsa 
that is not you know because every the, the the idea is everything has as much a right to live as you correct yeah you to share the space yeah and these you know the the modern day uh, meat eating uh, uh, what is that habits are very scary very scary because you know we see there are so many abuses in the factory farms all the animals are put in these small small containers and then what happens after they are put in the containers they cannot move they cannot do anything and then they are taken you know on a on a kind of a moving gurney where they are slaughtered this is what the whole thing is and occasionally it makes the news that the yeah please come forward so that people in the back don't have to leave the room so we hear stories like this you know one cow saw the other cows being taken for slaughter they understand this was in kentucky somewhere and it escaped it escaped and went and stood in front of a church you could think about it you know yeah and so like this we hear all these things we hear of horrible abuses in dairy farms in these kinds of situations and it's not it's not fair no, but then you can, they make the they make the uh, what is that now there is a new uh, argument paleo diet yeah paleo means caveman polite way of saying caveman so caveman diet everybody is good you know raw meat and i don't know what else you know and uh, and they argue this is what your ancestors ate caveman also ate meat so why shouldn't i eat meat you know caveman went with his bare hands you know one day came with a squirrel another day you know he became the dinner for a big cat this was 50 50 you know when you go out into the wild either you become the animal's dinner or the animal becomes your dinner that least that's fair now we are not doing that now we are cruelly slaughtering them and then calling it paleo you know yeah very pale argument i, I don't buy it <laughs> and also with this you know with the meat eating is not just himsa because it is killing the animals meat eating is himsa also because it is uh, directly contributing to global warming global warming and what we have is you know evidence that in these large pastures where the cows goats you know sheep whatever is eaten is there they you know their stress levels are so high that they produce they increase the methane gas which is contributing to global warming at a very alarming rate so this is all these things we have to see because it's a kind of a dominoes cycle it's a vicious cycle one thing leads to another another thing leads to another and yet another and it all comes back to my personal habits you know and people worry what shall i eat if i can't eat meat you know what shall i eat there are plenty of things to eat so many things look around you you know no but uh, what about protein this is one more thing you know how will you get your protein ask the elephant where do you get your protein <laughs> ask the rhinoceros protein kahan se liya where do you get the protein? 
Ask the horse which is so strong and swift, where do you get your protein? You know? This is what it is. We have all these, you know, animals. An elephant can, you know, just walk over. You know, many of these things. It can flatten the everything. This is, this is, it is a vegetarian. All the animals we are, you know, we respect are vegetarians. So, you know, this is some food for thought, really. Because, you know, at the level of our daily intake, there is a certain participation in the universal flow. And I'm not trying to make some kind of a, you know, either a uh, pejorative or a religious judgment. This is not about judgment. I'm just talking it purely from the standpoint of scientific facts. And also from the standpoint of what the Bhagavad Gita says about there being a cosmic harmonious cycle in progression. There is a certain exchange happening with the universe, a mutual reciprocity. And the 11th verse of the third chapter of the Bhagavad Gita declares, you know, Devan Bhavayatanena Te Devaha Bhavayantubaha Parasparam Bhavayantaha Shreyaf Param Avapsyatha. So, Deva, you know, Devan Bhavayata, Deva here means all the forces, the forces of nature, the five elements, the space, water, all these things. Space, sun, moon, etc. These are all the forces of nature. These are all God-given, Bhagavan-made forces of nature. And what is so important about these forces of nature is that they have entered into a cycle of giving and receiving. The sun shines, correct? And the moon also shines and the water flows and there is a certain cycle in that. The crops grow, the earth is there, everything is just, you know, happening. There is a cosmic flow. And enter the human being. What happens? Immediate disruption in the cosmic flow. Why? Because the free will is there, it is untethered and so it is abused. Part of it is also, the, the cause of this is partly from the Western, uh, you know, the, the theological um, assumption that all these things in the universe, nothing has soul. Only, solely the human being alone has a soul, S-O-U-L. Every other thing in the universe has only S-O-L-E perhaps, but not S-O-U-L. And the relationship between the human being and the environment is one of conspicuous consumption. I am the controller, I am the monarch of all I survey. You know, everything belongs to me. And then I am the one who is going to take everything. Everything that creeps and crawls and flies, I have dominion over it. And when I have dominion, it's already an unequal, it's not an exchange. It's an exploitation. And because of this, the force of this theology that has structured most of the Western habits of consumption, the whole world suffers as a result. Because when you say dominion, it's, it's a certain control. And this control is very bad because it is actually impinging on my own lifestyle. I am cutting off the limb on which I am sitting. This is a problem. <coughs> this is a very big problem. And so, therefore, we, uh, you know, we have to go back to Ahimsa. Because the more we take out of this earth, if we don't replenish what we are taking out, 
a day will come it's in fact already come in california they are saying there's only you know one year of water after that what they are going to do we don't know you know and now you know even in the other areas of the northwest they have declared certain emergencies in 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 the counties because they are too dry and it's not raining so like this we have a we have an ecological crisis which is our of our own making and it is all because of our himsa tendencies this comes from a kind of a tendency of grab right now because who cares about later yes we are leaving this planet for the next generation but children who cares we don't care right now we need instant gratification so this whole philosophy of instant gratification is just going to make things difficult so the bhagavad gita in the third chapter talks about being not just a citizen of a particular country but a universal citizen the citizen of the universe and as a citizen of the universe you have certain dharmas duties and what are those duties those duties are to take care of what is around you to participate in a reciprocal connection because for us these are not things inert things namaste vayu vayu is not something inert it is it is a form of bhagavan tameva pratyaksham brahmasi you are bhagavan incarnate you know we say this to the air prano vai ishvara we breathe in that air and then that becomes now prana in see exhale it is air inhale it is prana and that prana again is a form of bhagavan so for us whatever that is here yacha kinchit jagat sarvam all the things in this jagat whatever is there is is alive is has the presence of bhagavan and is to be respected because it too has the right to be there you can't just you know take it out of the equation this is your moral responsibility this is one's moral responsibility as a you know universal global you know universal citizen really so ahimsa paramo dharmah and what does ahimsa have to do with you know discovering myself as a kshetragnya that connection should be there see so what what does ahimsa have to do with discovering myself as a kshetragnya well you know if you are trying to assimilate the knowledge or prepare the mind for the knowledge what is the knowledge here that one is everything you know we say bhagavan is everything if you are bhagavan you are everything if you are everything then you don't have the right to hurt anything just because something is mithya you can't just go and you know try to hurt it so this is basically the main way in which we look at the connection and ahimsa is very very key here to one's own self growth the more one grows the more one is able to let go otherwise you know there are all these tendencies i want to grab i want to have things i want to really immediately do something all that is not there so that is you know that is ahimsa amanitvam adambitvam ahimsa and shanti hi not shanti shanti with a k in front of it 
Kshanti. Yeah. Kshanti means accommodation. Yeah. Not accommodation as in a hotel room. That's not what we are talking about. Accommodation within one's heart. Kshanti. Adi Shankara has a very interesting definition of Kshanti. You know what he says? He says, Kshanti is, Kshanti is a condition or a value whereby when, you, when somebody acts towards you in an adharmic way, you don't give back. In fact, not only do you not retaliate, there is no change in you. How to do this? <laughs> not retaliate, I can understand, I can leave the room. But there is no change in me, this is not fair. You know? But Adi Shankara is like that because he gives the definition that is always ultimate. He does not give, bother giving small, small definitions of growing into it and step by step. He has no step by step. Yeah. He is always straight, you know, final. You know, that's why he, he just says, uh, and later on he will say this, he says anybody who is always worried about the home and the people in the home, better to leave the home. Yeah. <laughs> Go sit in the forest. For him, it is just so simple. Everything is very simple. So here, so here the same thing is there. The same exact situation is being talked about. That Kshanti, he has a very extreme definition, which is actually the correct definition. And what is the correct definition? The correct definition is an attitude whereby there is no change that occurs in you when confronted by, you know, any kind of anyaya. What is anyaya? Injustice. Real or perceived. Real or perceived injustice creates no change in me from the standpoint of needing to retaliate or from the standpoint of internalizing it and fuming and fretting and you know how in the comics they show what is that coming? Smoke. Smoke is coming out of the ears. That is also not happening. I don't externalize. I don't internalize. You know, if I'm like this, I'll just expire because I'm neither externalizing nor internalizing means what? Yeah, that is Kshanti. And how is this, uh, how does this come about? <laughs> you know, this is a good question. It comes about by everyone taking a small crash course in human psychology. Really, that's what it boils down to. And you know, if you've been studying... Uh, if you've been attending a few classes of Vedanta, you've already had that already. Yeah. Because this is something we do emphasize a lot. So what does this crash course in human psychology look like? Very easy. Not at all difficult. First you, you know, and our, uh, you know, our psychology is always, uh, is uh, not complete without the presence of Bhagavan. So it is Bhagavan who made this mad mind, correct? And, and all the other mad minds also. So then, you know, just like, uh, uh, you know, in Hamlet, in the play, this man was keeping on repeating himself. Something was wrong which was very clear. 
you know. And so a minister called Polonius, this is in the Shakespeare's play, was sent to him to find out, to check up if he's, he was mentally alright. So Polonius went to Hamlet. Hamlet was sitting there reading a book. So Polonius said, what is it that you read? And Hamlet said, words, 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 he said, you know. So Polonius wrote, made some notes and went to the king and told him, he is mad, all right, but there is a method to his madness. <laughs> I love this because this shows that Shakespeare had an appreciation for the psychological order. There is a method. Even the maddest person on the planet, there is a method. You just have to find the right psychiatrist and then the psychiatrist will tell you what the method is because they have studied this human psychology. And here we are not even looking at it as psychology, we are looking at it as a vast order of the mind, you know, from the standpoint of Bhagavan. The psychological order. And what, do, what, do, what does this yield? From the standpoint of this kind of an upbringing, this will be the result. If one is neglected, you know, everybody feels neglected. That's garden variety neglect, you know. But if there is, if there is non-garden variety neglect, if the, you know, if one is neglected, this is what the picture of the person will be later on. Correct? Yeah. If one is the, you know, this is, you can keep talking about this. The eldest child in every family has certain traits, psychological traits. Overly responsible, becomes a parent to the parents, becomes a parent to the other children, you know, also. Yeah, so this is the, this is the eldest child psychology. The youngest child also has a psychological, other certain traits. What are they? Irresponsible, generally. Because somebody else will take care of it, why should I? You know? I don't have to take care of it, other people are there. And little angry also. I always have to wear the hand-me-downs. Other, you know, I never get anything first and new. And also the youngest child is convinced that the parents don't really care. Because with the first child, they treated the first child like a, you know, born China dog. Oh, oh, what is happening? Oh, it coughed. Oh, it laughed. Should we should call 911. What is happening? You know, they're all so scared. Because the first one, you know, the, the, the child doesn't come with a... Um, instructions. Yeah, it doesn't come with a brochure or a booklet. They are very frightened. And by the time the second or the third one comes along, ah, yeah, you know, you can drop it from the <laughs> stairs also, nothing will happen, no problem. You know. The parents have, have great vairagya, you know, <laughs> when it comes to, the, you know, and great objectivity. Because they say, oh, we've been, been there and done that. And the youngest child usually interprets it as, I, I, the parents always love the elder ones more, not me. And of course, now there is the quintessential middle child. And the middle child always feels I'm in the middle. And I'm neither here nor there, you know. Yeah. And they grow up to be attorneys and mediators, you know, generally speaking. This is, this, this they have studied. You know, somehow they have kind of, they're very good at this. They may not become, but they are good at, because they've always had to, you know, uh, make everybody get along. They are very responsible. So like this, you see, you can already see a pattern. 
And then if you start talking of, you know, gender, then women, you know, what are the patterns? And then men, what are the patterns? And then certain psychological issues like trauma, abuse, and how the trauma and the abuse leads to dissociation in adulthood. Because that dissociation was a coping mechanism as a young child and that continues. So even when there is the slightest trigger of the trauma, the person just leaves mentally. See, this is all when we look at it from the standpoint of Bhagavan, it's a wonderful, picturesque view of not just the human mind, but the psychological law, the law in which even things like mental illness is part of the order. Even the disorder is part of the order of the law. And it is so beautiful. It's just fantastic. So first I have to see that I myself have a background, correct? Yeah. I have to be careful to see. Because the first answer, if you ask yourself, do I have a background? The first answer that will come is absolutely not. It's the neighbor that has the background. It's this other people in the jagat that have a background. Me, I'm fine. What's wrong with me? I had a wonderful childhood. And the person who says that more than once, again and again, <laughs> then there is a really the need to introspect. Because what is being suppressed? What is being excused? What is being denied here? You know? And so, in a way, it is nice to study ourselves first before trying to put the flashlight on the other person. Spotlight, flashlight, whatever it is. It's important for Kshanti, it is important to get used to one's own issues. Be able to look at those issues from the standpoint of a, how a parent might look at. From a functional parent might look at. From the standpoint of an objective loving presence. You are that objective loving presence. You are that as an adult that is uninhibited by childhood pain and sorrow. So the first point in developing Kshanti is to separate that pain body from the adult. And you know, it's not doesn't require surgery. It's an internal mechanism through witnessing. And to understand what at least a few famous triggers are. Every trigger you cannot understand. That's why it's called trigger. Because you, you didn't know it would trigger. So to just have the, you know, five favorite triggers, five favorite buttons, each one can make a list. Keep it somewhere under lock and key. You know, you don't have to show it to anyone. Certainly don't show it to the teenage children at home. You know? So like this, we make a list of that and you know your own background. You know what sets you off. You don't have to discuss it with anybody. You already know what sets you off. You know that certain things just make you see red and certain other things, you know, send you to the doldrums and certain other things make you angry. Certain other things make you upset, disturbed. Of course, you have the right to leave. No problem. But that is not what Akshetrajna does. <laughs> you have the right to leave. If a, if a situation is becoming unpleasant and triggering you, you know, you can say, I have the freedom to leave this situation. E even if that situation is like something like a marriage or whatever it is. 
I have the freedom to leave this situation. Why should I be in this? The answer is for your own self-growth. That's the only reason to stay. No other reason. If you are serious about moksha, you know, this is an opportunity. Any kind of a skirmish or a rub or in a way when you are triggered, it's an opportunity to rise above that and to grow into a person that is more accommodative. This is not turning the other cheek. Yeah. We don't uh, talk about that at all. It's not about, you know, passively accepting abuse. That's also not what we are talking about. We are talking about the human ability for accommodation, which is often not plumbed due to their, due to us always assuming that our threshold for taking any kind of quote-unquote disregard, disrespect, injustice should be very low. This is the only way I can respect myself. Or my sensitivity is very high, so I cannot be in this situation. I have to get out and now. You know, that is a valid way of dealing with it. In fact, everybody deals with it this way. But when you come to Vedanta and when we are talking about entering into the lifestyle of the Kshetragya and being a Kshetragya, what is Kshetragya? Bhagavan, you know. So what is Bhagavan's response? We have to see, not what is my response. So how will Bhagavan respond to this situation? And of course, you know, you may say, I don't know how Bhagavan will respond to the situation. But then you can think, how will a Mahatma, a saint, respond to the situation? Because the one who has absolute Kshanti is nothing other than a Mahatma, a saint. We call such a person a saint. Because their response is very different from the, the garden variety, local responses of the large, you know, people at large. Their response is very objective. How is it objective? They are able to separate the person from the behavior. This is a very important thing. In myself also I have to separate my behavior, which may not be in keeping with my values and myself. And I have to have compassion for that outburst or that behavior which I did not have any control over because it was a button that was pushed. When I have, when I have the ability to, to love myself and have compassion for myself, I can extend that accommodation to others. So it includes, what it takes is the ability to make peace with your triggers. Not always deny them and say, this is idiotic. Yes, I am given to anger. Yes, I am working on it. Yes, things are not going as fast as I would like. Yes, I am impatient. And I am working on that too. I am a permanent work in progress. You can, you can introduce yourself like that. You know, I am trying as hard as I can. And sometimes my, my efforts are not enough. Even my best is not good enough. I know that, but I am trying. So when you are able to look at yourself this way, you are accommodating those tendencies and triggers before which were kept under the rug or denied 
or before they were just you know seen as random acts and not looked at at all now you are not only able to look at, look at them you are able to accommodate them and this is why we recommend that everybody gets married because there is nothing like marriage to bring out the triggers yeah all the buttons you never knew you had you know are pushed after the marriage definitely you know because you you think you know the person you don't even know yourself let alone another person and then you know if marriage doesn't do it this is the presence of children definitely definitely we do it yeah so therefore you know don't rush to sanyasa there's plenty of time <laughs> because there's a lot to learn here and cultivate here there's a lot to learn because the other person is you know and then of course our argument is the other person is not accommodative let him or her and usually it's talking about the spouse let him accommodate first then i will accommodate and the other one is also thinking that let her accommodate first then i will accommodate this is what happens so somewhere one has to make a beginning because otherwise there is an impasse and so the first one to make a beginning will be the first one to discover kshetra gnyatvam see now there is a nice incentive yeah so this is what it is so really speaking even when you lose an argument you you are a winner especially when you lose an argument and you know you are just ticked off the the spouse or somebody children or friend whoever it is arguing and you know it's not going to go anywhere because you've lived many years with them you've known them for many years you know it's not going to go anywhere and just say all right that's fine you know it's okay i understand that this is how you think that's okay really it's okay yeah it's okay so in a way they are disarmed no where to go you know they will check check up they will say are you sure you are feeling all right what happened to you you know so this way i disengage from this and then even though i may feel bad okay i have lost this argument i never get to suggest where to go they always make the decisions i never get to you know decide which restaurant to go somebody else is making the decision i never get to be an agent in my own life i'm this victim not just because you're not an agent doesn't make you a victim yeah you can be an inner agent of your own self growth huh why don't you do that that is far more productive then trying to win a small little measly argument which restaurant you are going to you know what is a restaurant let us look at it objectively i know this is off the topic but still <laughs> you know all these cuisines it is for what it is for the palate correct a palate is a polite way of saying tongue and so the tongue is only the longest tongue the you know and i don't mean it figuratively the the tongue according to the guinness book of world record the longest tongue was 4 and 1/2 inches measured at 4 and 1/2 inches you know figuratively long tongue means you are always arguing that's not what i mean yeah so and then when you eat the food it's only for that distance from you know inch number 1 to inch number 4 usually 3 inches everybody's tongue is 2 3 inches 
and after that you swallow correct but all the world's cuisines you know vietnamese and in all kinds of things what is that uh, this uh, uh, thai and chinese and so many things after the two inches if the food has passed it may be all these gastronomic delights but after they have passed the two inches you may as well be on a feeding tube the esophagus cannot taste neither can the stomach you know it's over yeah so for the sake of 2 inches think of the whole of atlanta and think of how many restaurants are just here think of just one neighborhood and how many restaurants are just in one neighborhood so many varieties and cuisines and everything so you are going to have a 2 inch 3 inch argument about where to go what to do this is you know we know that the jagat is finite but this is really finite <laughs> how much are you going to eat you know somewhere there is some kind of always there is a limit the satiation is reached immediately and so these things we can let go these things we can let go do whatever you feel like and then even the most argumentative person that you are living with will say no 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 today you decide because last five times i decided i am only feeling guilty you wait for that to happen you know it's nice it's a nice surprise when that happens and by the time you will also realize that you don't care this is wonderful it's not that you don't care you have outgrown this first you have grown first you were groaning now you have outgrown <laughs> you have outgrown the need to call the shots you have outgrown the groaning as well yeah this is what it is and this is how you know in the marriages in india in ancient india and even in our grandparents time survived this is how it is they hardly spent time together they were you know she was with all the other women grandma think great grandma and he was with his friends and you know there were all these cultural stipulations they couldn't take each other's names because of certain uh, ways so when they saw each other they would, mm, they would grant that's all yeah okay you're still alive so am i that's all and at no time you know i uh, you know i have you know had the privilege of having great grandmother grandmother everybody at no time i saw anyone say i never saw the great grandmother saying to the great grandfather i think this relationship is is going to the dogs <laughs> i think we need to spend more quality time together never never heard that you know neither did the grandpa or the great grandpa say you know it's all your fault and we should be doing this and you know in fact they hardly spent time and when they spent time they enjoyed it this you know and uh, and many it's not that all marriages were wonderful i also know certain elderly you know couples who could not stand each other you know but they still lived together somehow it worked they lived together because they learned shanti yes <laughs> that's the only reason they learned to accommodate each other's oddities even though they did not agree they did not like but still they lived together i know of one couple who did not speak to each other for number of years like 15 or 20 years and by which time they even forgot why they had stopped speaking because by that time they had aged and you know they had forgotten why they stopped uh, talking but she would cook she would serve and you know leave it there 
and then when she was sick, he would cook, serve, and leave it there. This is how it is. They took care of each other. It's just wonderful. So, in our tradition, the marriage is not for the sake of the marriage. The marriage is not an end. If any time the marriage becomes the end, it will end. Yeah, that's why it's called end. You know, marriage is not the end. Kshanti is the end. The self-growth is the end in our tradition. And when that is achieved, you don't care to leave. Because what's the point? Where, you know, what's the use? Because if I have lived with this person, I can live with anyone. So why does I, you know, live with this one? No problem. So, the marriage is meant to be outgrown gracefully. That is what it is. That is what is vanaprastha. Then they start to live like friends, even though they were, you know, pulling each other's hairs out before. And now they are living as friends and pursuing this knowledge. That is what is called the third or the forest dweller stage in our culture. So, this is Kshanti, the ability to accommodate that which cannot be changed in myself, in others. So that Kshanti requires a certain little brush up in human psychology, I said. Looking at the psychological order of Bhagavan and seeing that this is the person's trigger, this is the person's background, you may not even know the details of the background. Just like I have a background, they also have a background. So even though I talked kindly, it backfired. It boomeranged back at me. See, usually we are not able to develop Shanti because we take seriously the other person's criticism. This is the problem. Because there is some feeling, a hook inside me that hooks into whatever they say. So this is the problem. So somebody says you are an idiot. And you know, they are angry they said that. They couldn't help it. Inside me also there is a part that is convinced I must be the idiot. And so that's why one feels so bad. So here also some inner work is necessary to be able to calm down those areas and to really work on self-love. Because self-love brings out kshanti. You have to do whatever it takes to, to have self-love. Yoga, you know, whatever it is. Some nice hobbies to, to cultivate, taking a walk in nature. Anything that brings out an appreciation for yourself. Something creative. So, or even contributing gives self-love. When you contribute, you have self-love. Because you are in a position of giving, you see. Nobody likes to always be in a position of taking. So when you give, when you reach out and help somebody, then you have more self-love. You discover it. It's not that you have it, you discover it. So Kshanti. So the Kshanti, the one who has Kshanti is called a saint. And a saint is different from a common person because of the way they respond to the situation. They don't react. If somebody, you know, I, I told you the story of somebody rushing at Adi Shakra with a big knife and saying, I want to have you for dinner. And he just said, come back when other people are not around so that you will not be stopped. So come back later. And he also gave him the time zone to come in when the, his students will not be sitting there guarding. And he also gave a tip to please watch out for Padma Bhada. 
you know this one is 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 not uh, you know this one is there narasimha avatara so don't come when he is there so this is kshanti we see this we see this this is not a you know we say the we say the saints are exalted only because we don't we feel like we don't have the capacity to react like that or to respond like that rather but that's not an excuse you know for us a saint is not a certificate that is given after death by an officiating authority you know because there is some miracle no for us the saint is that is the ultimate goal to be a saint is the ultimate goal of every human being no matter who it is as long as you are a human being you you grow into your halo yes that is what you have to do that is the ultimate goal of every human being is to be saintly everyone is a potential saint this is what has to be brought out and you can't say oh that is a mahatma this is a baba this is a sadhu i am a commoner so i can do whatever i want no that is not a privilege anymore not after coming this far and not after having so much desire to study and the desire to listen desire to learn it is no longer a, a an option this is not an option now so kranti is also discovering compassion you know and objectivity both the com- the, the combination of compassion and objectivity is just like you know when the doctor the doctor sees the patient and let's say the patient is having a big tantrum or you know in under the influence of some medicine which did not suit him him or her and the patient just screams at the doctor abuses the doctor the doctor still will treat the person will not take it personally same thing with the psychiatrist you know they will just do their job and not take this personally and so to hear this saint like behavior is so is called kshanti and adi shankara says that out of the 20 attitudes and values that we are studying this is the one to develop oh then why didn't you say so before i wouldn't have come yesterday i would have only come today <laughs> because you know when you develop this one it's not that this is the only one when you develop this one the other ones come for free they walk into they walk into the heart so kshanti is there can there be manita no amanitvam comes adambitvam comes you know everything comes or javam comes riju bhava next one or javam the the bhava bhava means the attitude of being straight forward riju riju means straight as in not crooked so what do you mean by crooked and straight here you know straight meaning that there is an alignment between the thoughts the speech and the actions that is what is called straight forward 
what I think I am able to express, what I express I am able to do. In fact, this, this alignment is taken very seriously in our Shastra. Especially whatever comes out of the mouth has to be followed. You cannot go back on your words. That option is not there. In fact, coming from this Arjavam is a, you know, a small value called Vaktapas. Vaktapas is a form of Arjavam. In fact, the whole kingdoms have risen and fallen over a promise. Because of one promise, we have Mahabharata. Because of many, a series of promises, I should say. And one particular promise in that is very intriguing. You know, Arjuna comes and says, Mother, see what I have brought. He attended a Swayamvara, where he, you know, did this feat of archery and <clears throat> won over the hand of Princess Draupadi. In fact, she had set it up so that he, he only would be able to do this archery feat because she was admiring him from a long time and wanted to marry him. And you know, there is a custom that you have to wait at the threshold to be welcomed. The new bride is welcomed with a little lamp and all these things. There are certain rituals. So he said, Mother, Mother, come out quickly, see what I have brought. And she was in the puja room, she was meditating, you know. And she said, not now, my son. And I have told you what is the protocol for anything you bring. I don't want any fights. So please share it equally with all your brothers. The word was said. Then when she came out, she said, okay, this is more complicated than we thought. <laughs> this is not a laddu, you know. And they actually called an assembly. They called an assembly and they had a meeting with Draupadi and they had decided what to do as a society. They called a sabha, all the elders sat. And they said, there is no way we can falsify the mother's words. Her words have come out, there is a reason for it. We have to go by her words. And Draupadi herself was asked, will you please honor the mother's words? And when she agreed, then a whole, you know, treaty was drawn up. Two years with each person. And then no SMS from the other one, you know, in between. No, no texts, no photos, no Skype, nothing. All these, you know, there were the boundaries of how to do this, how to share, you know, five husbands, how to do that. So all this, see, because of this, we have the whole Mahabharata. Then another promise, we have Ramayana. You know, Kaikeyi was a uh, was very skilled charioteer. Yeah, she would drive the chariot. And Dasharatha was sitting behind, she, you know, forged into the enemy ranks and just made short shrift of them. And in the middle of the battle, the axle of the chariot broke. You know, if the chariot goes down, that means you're as good as lost the war. The chariot should always be upright. So what she did was she put her thumb in the hub of the wheel and held on to the axle with one hand. And with the other hand, she was, you know, driving the chariot, tending to the horses. That's how the victory was gained. And Dasharatha was so moved. He said, whatever you want, you, you please ask. 
I want to give you two boons. One for winning the war and one for all the tribulations you had to undergo. And she said, I'll take a rain check. Yeah. And later on she said, you know, I want, I want Rama to go. And I want my son. Rama had to be sent out of the forest because he was too popular. And the people of Ayodhya would never have, never have agreed to having him, having other, any, anyone other than him as the king. He had to be banished so that the people, you know, the collective memory she was thinking is short and nobody will mind. They will forget. They will accept Bharata. So she put two conditions. My son should be and then Rama should go. Because of that promise, we have the whole Ramayana. And even here, Dasharatha shows Arjavan. He shows this straightforwardness because he falls at her feet. He begs her to change the mind. He says, let Bharata be the king, but retract your curse of his forest dwelling for Rama. Don't send him to the forest. I will not survive this. But you know, all he could have said was, what bones? <laughs> there was nobody there. <laughs> And he is the king, he is the ultimate authority, judicial authority, legislative authority, executive authority, this is a monarchy. All he would have to say, you know, what, what are you, you know, sitting in the anger management room, so <laughs> I recommend that every house should have this, you know. Yeah, what are you doing sitting in the anger room, come out of there, mad woman, you know. One minute ago you were selecting saris, what to wear, you were so excited, next minute next minute, you are, you know, in the doldrums, snap out of this, what bones? I don't remember any bones, he could have said. Incapable because Arjabam, Satyamvada, Dharmanchara, Swadhyaya, Anma, Pramadaha, Acharyavya, Priyandhanama, Kritya, Prajatantum, Mavya, Vachetsihi. Satyatna Pramaditavyam, Dharmana Pramaditavyam, Bhutyaina Pramaditavyam, Devu Pitrakarya Bhyana Pramaditavyam, Matra Devo Bhava, Pitra Devo Bhava, Acharya Devo Bhava, Atiti Devo Bhava, Yani Anavadhyani Karmani, Tani Sevitavyani, No Itarani. No Itarani. No means no. Don't. Yeah. Now, do only things that you are supposed to do. Practice speaking the truth. Follow dharma always. Study the Veda. It has something to tell you. Be the one to whom mother is Bhagavan. Father is an aspect of Bhagavan. Father is a manifestation of Bhagavan. Everyone is Bhagavan. Be that person. This is what the whole thing is. This is what is Arjavan. Definitely a wonderful quality and attitude to develop, especially in these days where we make so many excuses. Yes, I'm going to come and help you. Well, you know what happened? Actually, nothing would have happened. So, what you know, to justify that, we have to make stories. Somebody came and I got really busy and by the time they left, it was so late and I'm so sorry, I didn't call you and I didn't tell I was not coming. And, and then, of course, that person being close to you will ask, who came? <laughs> <laughs> so now I have to say something. 
and you know whatever comes out of the mouth and it's somebody that person also knows and the next time they say oh did you go to this person's house no of course i i did go to this person's house so already again one is embarrassed so the lack of arjavam the why how is arjavam connected to kshetragnya because it not having arjavam creates an inner split and what is this split the split between the knower and the doer i'm doing something else but i know something else inside to be different ah this is the split and where this split is that knowledge of oneness will never speak to this is what the whole thing is very beautiful ahimsa shantihi arjavam then what acharya upasanam this is very wonderful acharya upasanam means acharya means teacher teacher here of what of vedanta veda but mostly vedanta here to to bring it into the context acharya upasanam approaching upasanam approaching or sitting next to sitting in front of a teacher this is this becomes a value for the one who wants to internalize the knowledge that i am the kshetragnya not the kshetra these are all ways to delineate the kshetra and not get into its entanglement so acharya upasanam is approaching the teacher and this is an ancient tradition because everybody was sent to gurukula and later on also in vanaprastha when they repaired to the forest they would also seek a teacher and study there so the seeking a teacher is important because the word acharya itself shows what it is acharati the one who walks the talk the teacher cannot be sitting and saying you know don't get angry the teacher is you know himself or herself angry that is not the idea so the teacher is one who acharati who walks the talk and then we have another derivation of the word acharya acharyati also inspires other people to behave according to dharma according to shastra not by holding a stick danda over them no not by chastising or punishing them but how through example and teaching and through inspiration acharyati acharyati causal causes others also to be inspired and then achinoti ching chayane to 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 collect so the teacher is one who has collected the gems of all the upanishads and everything is in the head of the teacher and from the head of the teacher to the ear of the disciple it is transmitted in the parampara so really speaking the teacher is an invariable invariable item in your quest for self knowledge it's a package deal why is it a package deal because you sign up for the shastra the teacher or the tour guide of the shastra comes for free yeah it's included 
But why can't I just go about it by myself? This is always a question. The same people who never hesitate to have a dance guru, Bollywood dance guru, you know, and what else, cooking guru, stock market guru, and when all else fails, life guru. There is one life guru. Yeah, life coach. I met such a person. I said, what do you do? You know, he gave me his card on that life coach. I had heard of basketball coach. I said, what is this life coach? No, I just help out people. They, they pay me a retainer. Retainer means salary every month. For what? Because people are confused. What are they confused about? Many things in life. They don't know how to make choice and I know their issues. So I guide them through all the difficulties. They can call any number of times a day because they have paid me a retainer. And uh, he had five, six celebrity clients, you know, people in uh, Beverly Hills and places like that. And I said, you know, because I was curious, I said, what, what kind of, why do they call you? What, what will they ask? I said, you don't have to tell me the names. So just tell me what kind of things they ask. He says, well, one of them called just 15 minutes ago and said, that she could not decide what to wear <laughs> because her closet was just, you know, it's like that, uh, you know, that, uh, what is that? That moving, uh, moving hangers, yeah, like you see in the dry cleaner's uh, office, like that, her, her closet is. She has so many things, she doesn't know what to wear. And so he says, okay, let us look which color you are reverberating towards, which color today, what day is it? And how can you bring out the inner you? What, do, what does the inner you feel like? Is it feisty? Is it is it unhappy? Is it blue? Is it whatever, you know? And then let's bring out the correct inner you by the correct outer, you know, garments. And like this, I, I took her through it. I said, how long did it take? 45 minutes. Is it 45 minutes to decide what to wear? I said, she'll be late. Wherever she, yeah, she's always late. No problem, you know, because function will not start without her. She's a celebrity. And, uh, you know, then I said, what other things you do? You know, marital counseling, you know, between, you know, the, in, in one case, the husband was also his client and the wife was also the client. <laughs> so he was on the phone all the time because the husband would call and keep the phone down and immediately the wife would call. Sometimes it would beep in between. And he couldn't tell, oh, your wife is calling, so, you know, like this, he had to manage all these things. Then six months later, I met somebody who knew him. I said, how is this person doing? Still doing life coaching? No, no, he had his own marital problems. <laughs> so he had to give up. So like this, one is not afraid of gurus, only afraid of having Vedanta guru. Self-knowledge guru, everybody runs away. Yeah. Any other guru, no, people have no, no problem. They will pay, they will go, they will take uh, booster, uh, you know, courses, all these things. When it comes to self-knowledge, some, something so important and intimate as the knowledge of yourself, they say, can I do it all by myself? DIY Vedanta. Not there. Not possible. You know, if you find the book called DIY Vedanta, do not buy it. Yeah. Do not buy it, do not buy into it either. It doesn't exist. And you will also not find the book Vedanta for dummies. Because Vedanta is not for dummies. Yeah. 
It's for thinking people who are able to understand and enjoy this. Enjoy this quest. And so here, this Acharya Upasana is, is, has to be discussed, you know, at great length. Because this is where we, you know, make the mistake. And not seeing the centrality of the teacher in this quest. And it's interesting because it's not just that the central, the teacher is central to the quest. The teacher is central because the tradition is central. Yeah. It's not the teacher who is the person. And it's the teacher who is the carrier of the tradition called parampara. Para plus apara. Para that which came before, apara that which came after. Para guru, apara shishya. Then shishya becomes para guru and another shishya becomes apara. So para plus para is equal to parampara. That's how it is formed. Parampara. The teacher becomes a carrier of the tradition and therefore the teacher is respected. And I have to, if I need this knowledge, I have to be in a place of discovering this respect for the teaching and the teacher combined. And that, that respect we call Shraddha. My attitude towards the Acharya is one of Shraddha. And it's not enough if you just love the person but don't feel like you need to learn anything from them. It's not enough to just love the person because the teacher is loving and I love the teacher but you know that's not, that's not enough. Because loving the teacher is not going to give you the knowledge. And sometimes people say that I have respect for such and such a person's scholarship, but I don't care for the person. That also is not enough. That also will not work. Because it's not some kind of an intellectual thing here. What is happening is that there is no will actually involved in gaining this knowledge. What do you mean there is no will? I drove here, didn't I? Yes, you drove. You know, but after that the will stopped operating, really. Yes, you exercised a little bit of a will to come here and sit down. You made a choice not to stay at home, you came here. Okay. But that is where the will stops. Because this teaching is in itself a means of knowledge. Like even your eyes and ears. When you see something with your own eyes and somebody says, you did not see me, you know, but no, I did see you. You didn't see me, but I saw you. No, 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 you must not have seen me. And what will you say? I saw you with my own eyes. That means when you say that, you are having Shraddha, you stand behind your eyes. Correct? I heard it with my own ears. So these are all means of knowledge that you trust because you operate them. Here, the Shastra is a means of knowledge that is operated by the teacher. That is why there is so much fear. I don't have any way of operating this means of knowledge because it is through the words deployed in a certain way according to the pedagogical canons of the parampara. How I learned from my teacher is what I am able to share with you. That's what it is. And how the teacher learned from his teacher, her teacher, his teacher, her teacher, all the way to Narayana, all the way to Sadashiva, this is what we say. Sadashiva Samarambham, 
ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಮಧ್ಯಮಾಂ ಅಸ್ಮದಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಪರ್ಯಂತಾಂ ಒಂದೇ ಗುರು ಪರಂಪರಾಂ ಐ ಸಲ್ಯೂಟ್ ದ ಹೋಲ್ ಲಿನಿಯಚ್ ವಿ ಸ್ಟಾರ್ಟೆಡ್ ವಿತ್ ಭಗವಾನ್ ಶಿವ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಶಿವ ಹೋ ಗೇವ್ ದ ಫಸ್ಟ್ ಟೀಚಿಂಗ್ ರಿಮೆಂಬರ್ ವಾಟ್ ಈಸ್ ದಿಸ್ ತತ್ವಮಸಿ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ತತ್ವಮಸಿ ಹೂ ಗೇವ್ ದ ಫಸ್ಟ್ ಟೀಚಿಂಗ್ ಥ್ರೂ ದಿಸ್ ಮುದ್ರಾ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದೆನ್ ವೇರ್ ಆದಿಶಂಕರ ಇಸ್ ಅನ್ ಇಂಪಾರ್ಟೆಂಟ್ ಲಿಂಕ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಮಿಡಲ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಅಸ್ಮದ್ ಆಚಾರ್ಯ ಅಂಟು ಮೈ ಟೀಚರ್ ವಿಚ್ ಎಂಡ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ ಮೈ ಟೀಚರ್ ಐ ಸಲ್ಯೂಟ್ ದ ಹೋಲ್ ಲಿನಿಯೇಜ್ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ದ ಲಿನಿಯೇಜ್ ಈಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಬೇಸ್ಡ್ ಆನ್ ಫ್ಲಫ್ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಬೇಸ್ಡ್ ಆನ್ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪೀರಿಯನ್ಸಸ್ ಫೀಲಿಂಗ್ ಗುಡ್ ದಟ್ಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ವಾಟ್ ದ ಲಿನಿಯೇಜ್ ಇಸ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ಇಫ್ ದ ಲಿನಿಯೇಜ್ ಇಸ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ಡಿಸ್ಕವರಿಂಗ್ ದಟ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ಆಲ್ರೆಡಿ ಗುಡ್ ಯು ಡೋಂಟ್ ಹಾವ್ ಟು ಫೀಲ್ ರಿಗಾರ್ಡ್ಲೆಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಹೌ ಯು ಫೀಲ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ಆಲ್ರೆಡಿ ಗುಡ್ ದ ಲಿನಿಯೇಜ್ ಇಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ಬಿಕಮಿಂಗ್ ಲಿಮಿಟ್ಲೆಸ್ ದ ಲಿನಿಯೇಜ್ ಇಸ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ಡಿಸ್ಕವರಿಂಗ್ ಯುವರ್ ಲಿಮಿಟ್ಲೆಸ್ನೆಸ್ ಸೊ ದ್ಯಾಟ್ ಯು ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಲಿವ್ ವಿತ್ ಪ್ಲೆಂಟಿ ಆಫ್ ಫಿಸಿಕಲ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಎಮೋಷನಲ್ ಲಿಮಿಟೇಷನ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಬಿ ಅನ್ಸ್ಕೇಲ್ಡ್ ದ್ಯಾಟ್ ಈಸ್ ವಾಟ್ ದ ಲಿನಿಯೇಜ್ ಇಸ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ಸೊ ದ ಲಿನಿಯೇಜ್ ಇಸ್ ವಾಟ್ ಈಸ್ ರಿಸ್ಪೆಕ್ಟೆಡ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದ ಆಚಾರ್ಯ ಸ್ಟ್ಯಾಂಡ್ಸ್ ಎಟ್ ದಿಸ್ ಎಂಡ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಲಿನಿಯೇಜ್ ಸೊ ಐ ರಿಸ್ಪೆಕ್ಟ್ ದ ಲಿನಿಯೇಜ್ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಬೇಸ್ಡ್ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ವೆರಿ ಪ್ರಾಕ್ಟಿಕಲ್ ಇನ್ ದ ವಿವೇಕ ಚೂಡಾಮಣಿ ವಿ ಹಿಯರ್ ಅ ವೆರಿ ಬ್ಯೂಟಿಫುಲ್ ಥಿಂಗ್ ದ ಸ್ಟೂಡೆಂಟ್ ಸೇಸ್ ದ ಸ್ಟೂಡೆಂಟ್ ಕಮ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಡ್ರಮ್ಯಾಟಿಕಲಿ ಟಾಕ್ಸ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ಹೌ ಹೀ ಇಸ್ ಫೀಲಿಂಗ್ ದುರ್ಬಾರ ಸಂಸಾರ ದವಾಗ್ನಿ ತಪ್ತಂ ಐ ಮೀನ್ ಯು ನೋ ದವಾಗ್ನಿ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ಹಾಟ್ ಏರ್ ಹಾಟ್ ಫೈರಿ ಏರ್ ದುರ್ವಾರ ಬ್ಯಾಡ್ ಏರ್ ಯು ನೋ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಬ್ಯಾಡ್ ಏರ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಸಂಸಾರ ಹಾಟ್ ಫೈರಿ ವಿಂಡ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಸಂಸಾರ ಆರ್ ಎನ್ಗಲ್ಫಿಂಗ್ ಮೀ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಹೀಟಿಂಗ್ ಮೀ ಫ್ರಮ್ ಇನ್ಸೈಡ್ ದೋಧೂಯ ಮಾನಂ ದುರದೃಷ್ಟವಾತೈ ದೋಧೂಯ ಮಾನಂ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ repeatedly shaken by the arrows of outrageous karma phala outrageous fortune bhitam prapannam i have become very afraid paripahi mrityo i feel i am about to pop off at any moment hey guru please save me you know tvadanya sharanam aham na jane i don't know any other refuge than you this is the student's spiel and the teacher what the teacher says is there is says that you know first says don't be afraid ma bhaishta vidwan calls him vidwan even though he is ignorant you know interesting vidwan to be the teacher is very sure that studying under me he will become vidwan so ma bhaishta vidwan asti upaya there is a remedy for what these hot airs and these fears that you are ha- having asti upaya there is a remedy and i'm going to give you a full proof remedy not a remedy that you have to come back again you know i'm going to give you a full proof remedy and what is that full proof remedy yenaiva yataha yatataha asya param tadeva margam aham tvam tvam nirdishami by which road by which well traveled road all other yatis yatis means people who put the rightful effort how they reached and crossed over samsara that same road i am going to show you and help you walk on it see there is so much confidence in the parampara it's not some newly crafted road that you just don't know what's on the other side and you have to worry about all this nobody has walked on it how is it going to be this is not some new age thing this is a you know thousands and thousands of years old 
tradition through which other people have gained this knowledge so time tested way is really the best way correct and so therefore the teacher becomes you know an important link because of this parampara much more to be talked about we'll pick up this uh, this value acharya upasana to be continued when tomorrow om purnamada purnamitam purnamudachyate purnasya purnamadaya purnameva avashishyate om shanti 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 hari om shri gurubhyo namaha hari om questions what is the meaning of the adage that when the student is ready the teacher appears i always say when the student is ready the teacher disappears <laughs> people get scared when i say that the teacher disappears means what as you yeah in you so the student is ready the teacher appears it is said meaning there is a certain way in which this is what i was talking about a universal harmony there is a certain pattern in the universe and since the purpose is to purpose is to discover kshetragnatvam in oneself since that is one's only purpose and when one is ready to embark on that purpose one will find that accidentally even one walks into a class maybe one was not even deciding to come in fact one was saying no i don't think i should go but oh let's see let's see what is like or maybe one was thinking this was some other you know event one time that happened to me you know somebody came and sat and they looked absolutely lost you know almost till the end and then afterwards the two people were there then they said oh we thought this was a a lecture on modern art <laughs> i said no it's a lecture on ancient art not modern art so like this but then they were very happy to have attended this so like this there is some kind of a what we call you know what we call bhagavan what the english language calls a series of coincidences or serendipity in other words it's neither coincidence nor serendipity it's your own karma phala that desire brings in the punya from the past the punya reaps into finding some teaching that you can connect to and people also say this to me you know there may be a room full of people and you know some more people online also and then i get the feedback after the lecture this is a typical feedback how did you know that this is exactly what i was thinking of today how did you know that i needed to hear this you know i don't i don't know i mean i i don't even know who is there sometimes online you know sometimes people give their names sometimes people sign on as tatvamasi okay no problem yeah, there is one person who is signed on as tatvamasi no problem it's okay i don't know who the person is but it's wonderful you know it's very nice yeah and so i like that it's very nice and so therefore i don't know but it's that that's because the teaching is not centered on me that's why it's not a cult yeah that's why it's not a cult but it is a legacy it's a legacy that speaks uh, when there is shraddha in a heart that is shraddha even when the heart is opened with shraddha which i'll talk about a little more tomorrow then 
the classes speak. That's what it is. Because you are allowing it to speak and of course whatever you need to hear, you will hear and whatever needs to be transformed also gets transformed. Because I don't know why, what, you know, where you are coming from, what is there. Because it's really not about me. It's about what is, you know, the, the whole tradition is being carried, that is how it is. The whole tradition is being carried by you being present here and me being here. That's all it is. So you and me together, we make the tradition. Isn't that a big thing? It's a huge thing. Any other question before we start on this? Anybody has questions? Yeah. I mean, he always is, I mean, yeah. So there's a strange sense of disconnect. And so I feel like I'm not participating in my life. Uh, actually, you are. It's not that you're not participating in the life. You're participating in the life differently than what one is used to. Because before one comes to Vedanta, there's a lot of drama. You know, one is a drama king and a drama queen. Yeah, there's a lot of drama and sometimes in that dramatic way, people are used to relating in that dramatic way. And because of that, what happens is that, you know, people start thinking that this is, this is what life is. When the drama portion reduces, you start feeling a little more dispassionate. It's okay. You are participating. You are fine. No, no. Observer is Bhagavan. Observer is you, the witness. Yeah. Yes. In the context of Vaita and Vaita. Yeah. Which path is Bhagavad Gita leading us to? Yeah. Bhagavad Gita is saying Advaita because it is very clear at the end. You know, in the end of the each chapter, we chant this. What do we say? You know, Krishna Arjuna Samvade and Brahma Vidyaya Yoga Shastra. It has two topics. I'll talk about it tomorrow. Brahma Vidya, which is understanding yourself as Brahma. It doesn't say you are two. Otherwise, Bhagavan would not be saying in the ninth chapter, Mayatatam Idam Sarvam. And uh, so, therefore, it is. Uh, and it would not be saying tattva masi. It would not be following that. You know, that whole layout, it would not be following. And for these reasons, it is it is definitely giving the message of the Upanishads from the standpoint of Advaita. That being said, there are a number of commentators from the Dvaita traditions that have commented on it. And the Shastra gives us the hermeneutical freedom to look at it in three ways. From the, from the standpoint that I'm separate from Bhagavan and I'm just a sad devotee and I'll never be equal to Bhagavan. And then from the standpoint I'm a part of Bhagavan or to say I'm none other than Bhagavan. We look at it from the standpoint of from Advaita where we sit, we look at it as, you know, you're never separate. And we can accommodate those two standpoints very easily. There is no fight then. There is no conflict there. There is no conflict precisely because of the fact that these two are points of view. Really, they are points of view. That notion of separation is a point of view. 
And the notion that I have to become one is a point of view from the ignorant individual who feels anxious, separated and alienated and disconnected from the total. So it is valid. And if you ask the Dvaitin, you know, what do you want? They will say, I want to become one with Bhagavan. We say you are never separate to begin with. It's just coming at it differently. There is no problem. There is no conflict. Yeah. In our discussion today, you said that we know what is right and we know what is wrong, which generates a sense of uh, uh, uneasiness when we perform wrong actually. Where does that spring from? That is Bhagavan. That is manifestation of Bhagavan as the order of Dharma. That is what it is. It is inbuilt. It's a sensor that is inbuilt into every jiva, more so human beings. Even the dog looks a little guilty sometimes, you know, but it doesn't understand why. Bhagavan in the form of a sensor is called dharma, yes. Om sarve bhavantu sukhinaha, sarve santu niramaya, sarve bhagraan pashyantu, makaschit dukkha bhavavet, Asatoma